0: You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Monday, December 14th, 2020. On the show today, Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington joins me. We discuss the Nats' potential spending strategy of sp- uh, spreading the wealth around. We break down how the Nats could do it. How can they equally distribute the money to help bolster the lineup and the pitching as well? It's going to be a two-part interview. This is part one, and we focus on which bats slash fielders the Nats can bring in. So what? how can they do to bolster their defense, bolster their lineup, Plenty of options available. Matt and I go through ones at basically every single position and talk about guys we like and don't like, potential fits. A fun conversation here. And then on Tuesday's show, we're going to have our conversation about uh, the pitching and what the Nats can do to you know really bolster that pitching rotation as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here on a Monday edition of the Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining me today from NBC Sports Washington, it is Matt Wyrick. Matt, thank you for joining me here on this uh, this Sunday evening.
1: Absolutely, Josh. Thanks for having me on.
0: So uh, the offseason, I've been a little bit critical of it. It's very slow, uh, and you you know you know if you pay attention to all the other sports, their off seasons tend to be a bit a bit more expedited. Right, I think is the right way to say it. The baseball one is very drawn out. So th- the time for us pundits to speculate um, on what could occur is much longer. And I think that it kind of, you know, allows the mind to go to a diff- bunch of different places with, oh, you know, this iteration of a team. What if we got this guy? You know, ideas. You know, you even th- see things written like, could the Nats make a move for Trevor Bauer? It's like, no, hell no. There's no, there's <laughs> no, That makes no sense. But um, your general impressions have just made early baseball offseason. You know, the Nats only signed – Two, uh, two players, I guess, Yasmani Tomas and Sam Clay. Um, but obviously they're, they've are they been rumored for the Chris Bryant trade and then also to the, you know, tracking DJ LeMayhew and then also, uh, Carl, you know, Carlos Santana. They apparently had talks with him as well. So your impressions of the Nationals offseason off thus far?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's been very slow for them so far. More players lost than gained. And obviously the Nationals coming off a season that they are, they're looking for upgrades and there are a lot of different holes. So. I think that it's clear that they're playing the market similar to a way that a lot of other teams across the league are right now, and that they're slow playing it. They're, you know, waiting to see if any free agents are willing to drop their asking price a bit. Maybe some settle for one-year deals. A JT Realmuto one-year deal, I feel like, could be very much up their alley. So, you know, I think as of right now, it's definitely difficult to say what their budget is. The the rumors coming out have been that they're looking to spread the money around rather than go all in on one free agent. So you would assume that probably takes them out of George Springer, Trevor, sweet stakes. Uh, But overall, you know, I think that they plan to be active in terms of the numbers of players acquired, just because they have so many holes Mm -hmm. and I don't expect that to change. You know, I think that you started to hear, Oh, are are we going to be seeing Andrew Stevenson starting in right field next year? And I really wouldn't expect that to happen.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, my first question to you, uh, you know, in terms of specifics is, how far away is this roster really from being able to compete for a uh, division championship? And, and the thing about that is I don't think there's much separation between a World Series and a division title just because a couple of things once you're in One, yeah, once you're in you're fine also too. This division has produ- produced some of the best teams in the league right in the last few years. I mean the Braves uh, you know this season clearly obviously that you know with t- the talent and uh, the rotation that they have especially right it's a team that you know that's winning division if you're competing with them that means that you're, you're in the mix to win the national league. How far are they really? Because you think about how bad the season was. And then also you look at the fact that they've got two guys who are top 10 MVP candidates, you know, and, and arguably they're the best left hand hitter in baseball. One of the best leadoff hitters in baseball. And they also th- a front three of guys that you still think, you know, might still be the best front three in all of baseball. Right. I mean, those guys when healthy, you know, Scherzer, Strasburg uh, and Corbin are still three of the best. So not a great season, but it still doesn't feel like they're too far off from being able to compete in the division.
1: Yeah, I think the way their roster stands right now, they're definitely a tier below the Braves, but that mm-hmm. definitely is manageable ground. I mean, with where they are right now, it's a bit of a stars and scrubs state situation. Like you mentioned, the core that they have, I mean, it's, it's among the best cores in baseball you know, to have one of the best left-handed hitters and to have a a leadoff man like Trey Turner and, of course, the big three in the rotation and even some of those guys in the back end of the the bullpen. I mean, you know, they have solid pieces up and down the roster. It's really just the guys in between that they really need to fill out. And I think where you are right now, the, the offense is definitely lacking I mean, in in multiple ways, you you talk about wanting to have somebody to protect Juan Soto, and that's probably your biggest priority this offseason, but you also kind of want to have somebody in between Trey Turner and Juan Soto who can help bridge that gap between Mm -hmm. the biggest stars. So I would argue that that spot right there, if you're going to say that's the number two spot in the order, probably just as important as the cleanup spot right now. So they really need to get two impact bats uh, to raise this offense to be where they want it to be in terms of competing in the National League East. Do I think they have the tools to do it? Absolutely. I just don't know if they have those guys in-house right now. You know, Starlin Castro was kind of supposed to be that guy that the second half right. of nineteen, he, he changed his launch angle and we saw incredible results and his home run totals were awesome and now he was joining you know his old mentor and Davey Martinez a guy who really wanted to play for it just seemed like the perfect situation for him and you know we, we saw him with that wrist injury and, and that was unfortunate we didn't get to see him go the rest of the way do we know that he's going to be that guy I don't I can't say it's a sure bet um, but I think there are a lot of guys in free agency who you could at least say are comparable and would come at pretty cheap prices so you know uh, even if you bring in one of those guys and he doesn't pan out. At least you have Starlin there as, as someone who might be able to fill in at some point.
0: Yeah. I think he's the bridge guy, right? I, I think like, if it, you know, he just, he fits the mold of good combination, you know, just a generally a pretty decent hitter. Also a guy who does hit for some pop and he kind of bridges that gap. And that's why it was so unfortunate that you see him get injured because he was, you know, kind of that critical gap. And, you know, a lot of times in the past, I mean, when Adam Eaton was there, he was able to be that second, you know, two hole hitter, very solid, could move Trey over, obviously, and, you know, with Rendon and Soto coming up behind, it was all good. Here's the thing, though. I actually don't think the loss of Rendon hurt them a lot. Yes, for sure. But Soto, like, I mean, made up for some of yeah. that, right? I mean, just the issue was there was nobody else to support him. Like, in terms of having two players who match that that dynamic duo there, Turner and Soto are, are just as, as good as you could ask for.
1: Like mm-hmm. you
0: said, it's, the, it's that filling in. And I think Springer made so much sense And I just think the money is going to be too much there uh, in in my opinion. And then you start thinking about guys in terms of the, the, you know, the, not the non-pitching, you know, put pitching aside for a second, the guys that make sense, like DJ LeMahieu, I know once five years, and I don't think the nationals should sign him for that. But if four years can get you DJ LeMahieu, I am a huge fan of his. I think people are concerned about, well, you know, was hitting just, uh, you know, were his numbers inflated because, you know, it, things worked out well for him being at Yankee stadium. I think the guy just hits. I think the guy just hits. And I think that's somebody that would allow them to move Stalin Castro to third, because I don't think playing Carter key boom is going to be, well, we, we don't even know if it's a long-term answer, right? We, we really don't know, but you know, that allows you to keep that bat in the lineup, move him to third. And you know, it's a solid bat. It's upgraded over Kibum. And you also, you add another bat at second base. So that's kind of where my mind is right now. Where is yours in terms of, you know, Look, obviously they need protection, but are there certain guys that, for you, you're you're focused on? You think, hey, this would be a good fit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if if I'm the Nationals right now, I don't want to be going into next season relying on either Luis Garcia or Carter Keepham to be starting players. I mean, they're they're they could be great organizational depth pieces. Somebody who, you know, if you get another Starlin Castro injury or somebody else like that in the infield, and you need them to come up and replace them, okay, you got them there. But you know, with where they're at and their age, they're still very young prospects. I think they, you know, can definitely use some more seasoning. They didn't get minor leagues last year, uh, you know, having to use that alternative training site. So it's definitely not a situation where you want to see either of them in the lineup on opening day, but Mm -hmm. as far as, as fits in the free agent market, DJ LeMay, he was definitely a great option. Uh, He certainly is going to be expensive. And it's, like I said before, it's definitely unclear how much the nationals are willing to spend Four years. They might be able to, to, to get in there, but, you know, LeMayhu is on the wrong side of 30, he, he is a bit, a little bit older. And apparently Mike Rizzo wants to skew the team a little bit younger. Um, my, co- uh, colleague Todd was reported last week. So if they're trying to get younger, I don't know if that is necessarily the way they want to go. I think a guy who, you know, they might want to look into Hanser Alberto from mm-hmm. just up, uh, 66 over, uh, in Baltimore or 495, excuse me. Um, you know, had pretty good year for the uh, Orioles each the past two years. I mean, over the past two seasons, you know, we're not talking 800 OPS or anything like that, but you know, he hits for a little bit of power, but more gap to gap than necessarily mm-hmm. over the fence, which is fine in that number two spot. I mean, we saw that out of Anthony Rendon earlier in his career. You know, that's where he got that nickname, Tony Two Bags. Yep, you no, know, because he wasn't really hitting for power mm-hmm. in terms of hitting home runs, and it that that tandem with denard span you know a little throwback for you yeah at the top of the order i mean you know span getting on base and a lot of times you were looking at situations where you were having sec- runners on second and third because tony was just You know, moving the runners over. So a guy like Alberto, I would like it. He hits for a decent average. The OBP isn't as high as you would like for a number two spot, Uh, 322 over the past two seasons. So definitely, you know, needs to work on drawing a few bit more walks. But, you know, he's still in the prime of his career, Uh, just finished up his age 27 season. So I would like to think that his best years could still be ahead of him. I think it would be a, you know, a savvy move by Mike Rizzo to invest in somebody like that. And, you know, a little bit of a shot at the Orioles, which, you know, Baltimore has never shied away from taking shots at the nationals through the media. So I, I don't see why they can't repay the favor every now and then.
0: All right. More from my conversation with Matt Wyrick in a second, but first a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar on the market today. They've got 18 awesome flavors Six new ones, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar, chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They've got the twelve original flavors. All of them are chocolate. Six with nuts. Six without nuts. So I encourage you guys to go to builtbar.com and check those out. They've really got a flavor for everybody. You guys will not be disappointed. Go to builtbar.com right now. Use a promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Locked on for twenty percent off on your next order. Once again, builtbar.com. Promo code locked on for 20% off on your next order. Also want to let you guys know, uh, before we get back to the conversation with Matt, that you guys can go check out the Locked On Podcast NBA Season Preview right now, wherever you guys get your podcast. The NBA season is right around the corner. I believe it actually starts in the next two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA Podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcasts all this week. Plus, waiver wire additions from the locked on fantasy basketball podcast and rookies to watch from draft guy, Chad Ford. And also too, there's some new stuff coming on the locked on wizards podcast. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, You guys should definitely tune in. If you're like me, you're stoked for basketball season. Things are looking up right now. If you guys are DC sports fans, right? I mean the, the Washington football team, I think it's, 30 days since they've lost a football game. Uh, we're coming up on that. So they're red hot right now. Four straight wins for the WFT. Uh, Capitals are going to be coming back, I believe, in January. The Wizards have Russell Westbrook now. So we'll see how Westbrook and Beal look. And they played their first preseason game last night. So a whole lot happening right now in the Washington, D.C. sports world. So check out the Wizards podcast. Check out the, the WFT podcast, uh, Locked on WFT and Locked on Capitals. We've got podcasts for all four major sports teams in the DC area, but definitely check out the Wizards one for that uh, preseason. You know, preview of what should be an exciting season for the Washington Wizards. All right, back to my conversation with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. Yeah, I, I like the deal. He's, I think he was one of those guys who was non-tendered, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, does the fact that he was non-tendered, traded, you know, change his value at all? You know, do do you think that? I mean, I I think he's going to be one of those guys who's pretty coveted right like i I think people uh, are going to want a guy like that and i was surprised that he was on that list uh you know to be quite frank and i think that that would make some sense you know in addition to that like they also need somebody who i think can just generate some pop like on their own Mm -hmm. right i mean this is one of those things last year where you know you're like eric thames was supposed to be that guy right he was supposed to be a guy that can generate some solo power for you you know and did did not work out um, and maybe Alberto can be one of those guys that can generate some too. You know, you're trying to, I, I just trying to figure out in my mind, like where they can get somebody like that. And, you know, it's, it's weird. It feels like those big dominoes are actually the ones that are going to fall first. Cause those are all the names that we're hearing right now. I mean, in, in the pitching market too, I know Bauer and, uh, you know, Bauer Kluber, those guys have not gone anywhere yet, but you're still here, you know, Charlie Morton signed right. And Robbie Ray was one of those mid to upper level guys, uh, you know, there's a decent amount of those guys who have signed. So I feel like the the bigger guys are almost going first. And I think teams are just waiting to see what the market is for a lot of these players, just because with all these circumstances, and you saw a lot of options for players get declined by teams because they thought they could probably get the player back in free agency for a lower sure. price or somebody who was like that. So it changes the whole calculus of this. And also too, we have the, this knit hitter hanging over, you know, hanging over our heads. Right. I mean, we, according to John Heyman, you know, there's, it looks like it might not be here to stay in 2021 and the CBA is up in 2020 uh, after the next season. So then it could be coming after that. And that changes, uh, you know, like Marcelo Zuna, I thought was a legitimate option for the Nats. Um, Not, you know, I wouldn't sign him for a four year deal, but you know, maybe you kind of give him two years, pay him a little bit extra. Right. And it's a guy who provides all those things. And Hey, if there's a DH this coming season, you know, for whatever the negotiation is, um, between the players and the, and the league, obviously. And then the next season too, if they end up getting a DH new CBA, I thought that works out. But also, you know, I think that whole like solo power conversation has now changed because that DH spot is gone. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the fact that there could be a DH once the CBA kicks in, uh, the new CBA kicks in after next season uh, keeps them in the sweepstakes for guys like Michael Brantley uh, who are getting to be, you know, a bit older in their careers right. uh, and have had some injury issues in the past. So I could see them investing in a guy who might be a little bit older, knowing that they're probably going to be able to use that DH. But I would guess that it's pretty inevitable at this point that the DH gets implemented in the national league past 2021. So uh, if you are a, uh, you know, lover of pitchers hitting uh, enjoy this last season, cause it's going to be it. Um, but as far as, as your original question and, and getting power in the lineup goes, uh, I think that there are three guys who jump out to me uh, who really would be fits in that mm-hmm. uh, mold. And two are, are non tender candidates uh, or non tender players, Eddie Rosario and Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Schwarber, Washington Post reported the other day that the Nationals have been interested in him. Uh, and certainly, you know, he kind of qualifies as that star power a little bit. You bring in somewhat of a big name, get some fans excited. Now, I don't think that he necessarily is a solution on his own. Uh, no. I, I think that there are a lot of different ways that you can, you know, move these guys around. Uh, I think a guy like Jock Peterson makes a lot of sense, a left-handed power bat uh, to, to give you maybe a platoon type situation. Right, you need to platoon. Him, yeah, He can also play some first base. So, you know, you could probably bring in a guy like Schwarber and try to give him you know, most of the those uh, games in, re- in left field when you move Soto over to right and, you know, and when Schwarber starts to struggle, okay, then we'll start, you know, implementing Jock maybe in more in left field rather than first base. And you could actually have Jock be your initial first baseman platoon, uh, assuming Ryan Zimmerman is brought back. I, you know, there's no update there on that front. But at the same time, I, I kind of expect them to bring him back. He didn't get his swan song after the World Series. You know, he hasn't played for a year, so it's hard to say what you could get. But the Nationals seem like, you know, they're going to be looking for some bargain signings and Zimmerman only signed for 1 million uh, in 2020 before he opted out. So he'll certainly be on the cheaper end. Uh, and the last guy's Eddie Rosario. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rosario has been on down ballot AL MVP votes each of the past two seasons. Uh, one of the better power hitters uh, over the past four years, you know, racks up in the 20s or lower 30s. Uh, somebody who you can really put behind Soto and say, you know what, if you're going to pitch around this guy, here he is, you know, do what you can with him. And, And Rosario, you know, he has his faults in his swing or don't get me wrong, but I think they need somebody who can strike a little bit of fear in that opposing hitter or opposing pitcher, excuse me. And I think Rosario could be that kind of guy. uh, You know, if you bring him in, you're probably not bringing in Schwarber, but you could still bring in um, Jock Peterson to, you know, kind of be, okay, give Rosario a rest on some days, you know, come in uh, and play first base. I I think Jock makes a lot of sense for the nationals. He's also kind of fits with Schwarber as as somewhat of a big name, you know, a veteran who isn't really a veteran he's only 28 years old so definitely you know you could say that his best years are ahead of him he could go for 30 40 homers um you know those those platoons i mean it gives you flexibility and that you know if you get an injury or two you're probably not losing your entire position uh which is pretty significant and if they stay healthy over the course of a full year you could be getting 30 40 home runs out of that position uh for a much cheaper rate than signing a guy like springer
0: yeah, and you you brought up first base, and I think that's a, a question area that we have, right? And, you know, you want to give Ryan Zerman some time, obviously, with everything going on in this situation, but there is also another side to it. That is, look, this is this is a position that we could use to build this lineup, which obviously needs it, and while the status of, you know, like, the status of, I mean, it's weird to think that. The status of a vaccine affects your, you know, first base position, but that's that's reality here. Is family has health concerns? If they bring back Zerman, you know, obviously it, w- it would be one of those cheaper deals, so that would help them help fill that position at a low cost. You know, what do you make of the whole situation? Because it, it is an odd one, and it's one of those where, you know, you kind of want to get on with it, right? So you can kind of identify the other things that you need to do, right? Is this something we have to address, or do we at least have part of the solution? in-house right now in the form of Ryan Zerman?
1: I think that the thing about Zerman is he is a safety net. You know, he's not going to go sign anywhere else. So you can kind of slow play that first baseman market and wait and see how your budget sorts out, which guys did you maybe bid a little bit more for than you would have liked, or which guys uh, did you not, you know, uh, save some more money on than you were expecting. And then you can go to Zimmerman and be like, look, this is how much room we have in our budget. This is what we'd like to do uh, you know, how, what do you think, you know, and if they're offering him 800 K and he, he boxed it and is like, you know what, it's not worth it to come back. Then, you know, you, you've got some other guys in the first base market who are going to be available. I mean, they we're in a free agency freeze right now. And even if the market starts to pick up towards the end of the off season, we're going to be seeing plenty of names still available in free agency. You know, guys like Jose Martinez might still be there. Jake lamb, Travis Shaw, Danny Santana, uh, you know, some, some, maybe, you know, sturdy somethings who, Uh, probably are going to get squeezed out of the league, or if not, you know, signing minor league deals uh, at some point closer to spring training. You know, they have uh, not a lot of depth uh, in the organization at first base. I think right now in the 40-man roster, Jake Knoll is slotted in at the number one first baseman. So you probably want to bring in a couple guys. He's on there, yes. Yeah, no uh he's he's definitely a last resort at this situation as much as he might look like ryan zimmerman he definitely doesn't uh, play with like <laughs> so um you know i think i think they first base as as much as it you know might seem like a priority for them because it's just gaping it, it's, it's a position that they can really afford to slow play it whereas you're saying you know with with the big stars and and corner outfield spots. Those are the names that are going to go by quicker. And those are the guys that you're going to have to kind of jump in the bidding at some point. uh, And you're going to want to have more roster flexibility than less. Uh, So Zimmerman just kind of being there willing to play if the pandemic allows is actually, you know, kind of a safety net for him.
0: So we talked about running out the lineup and the one other position spot we have not talked about yet is catcher Uh, and James McCann, obviously was somebody on a lot of people's radars, right. You know, real Muto had been talked about for the nationals. But with Jan Gomes and how well he played last year, it, you know, it looked like you know he was t- kind of almost taking a step. Right? It's weird to think about a guy at that age taking a step, but he did, and he was consistently good. That that was the thing about Jan. I was wondering, hey, Real Muto's out of the price range. What about a, you know, what about James McCann, Right? I mean, you if you had brought him in, and, and Jan is eighty percent of what he was last year, that's one of the best one-two c- catching punches, you know hitting wise, you're going to find most teams can't even find a good hitting catcher. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you see the numbers being I mean, four years, you know, for that, you know, for that much money, the Mets are making a sizable investment in him and that's, we're not going to do that. Do you think it's going to be him and, and trace Barrera? Do you think it's going to end up being Barrera and, and Jan, or do you think they're going to bring somebody else in uh, and kind of say, all right, three men, you know, Jan's there and two guys are going to trace and whoever you bring in, maybe in like a minor league deal, like you talked about, are going to battle it out for that, that other catching spot.
1: Yeah, so right now Trace Barrera is still facing I think it's an 80 game suspension for PEDs. Yes. So, so that be the yeah. yes. I mean, he's appealing it and there's a whole lawsuit about how, you know, this drug shouldn't actually be considered part of the PED program. So that's ongoing. You know, it's, it's hard to say what that situation might be, but I would imagine they bring in somebody uh, just to to add a depth option, you know, some I, I this is the thing for me. The Nationals are built around pitching, right? And yes, as much as it would be nice to have, you know, some offensive output out of the catcher position that they haven't had since 2015, when Wilson Ramos tore his ACL and home plate three games before the end of the season, or maybe that was 2017, uh, whatever the uh, year that was. Was I'm, it
0: 2015? I'm know. trying to I'm trying to remember because I do remember this happening.
1: Yeah, but it 20, was three games before the end of the year, and they uh, lost. 2015, back. I think. Yeah, Strasburg got hurt like a week before, so they were yes. decimated by the time the playoffs came around. Uh, which was unfortunate, but uh, you know, I, I think that right now the pitching staff is the most important thing. You had Strasburg make one start last year. You had Scherzer start to feel the field effects of age. You set Corbin deal with several issues in his command, where his walks were way up. He wasn't necessarily striking out uh, the batters that you wanted to see. The Nationals are built on those three guys. They need to get them right, and Gomes is a pretty good defender behind the plate. I think, you know, he doesn't get as much credit as he might deserve, but I would see them going with a guy who is definitely a defensive minded guy someone like Robinson Chirinos, you know, not a splashy signing uh, certainly, but you know, he brings a veteran presence, which I think you really like to have in that catcher spot. You know, they had Kurt Suzuki. who's one of the oldest catchers in baseball uh, and and somebody who worked really well uh, with several of the starters on the Nats staff. So
0: I uh, I can actually see them, you know him potentially, I mean, you know, coming back. Right. I, mean, I don't believe yeah, he's been it signing could happen. Um, You know, I think that makes, I mean, he took a beating last year. If I was I, honestly, I could see him being like, I am done with this. I am. Cause I mean, it looked like he that was, was nicked up every game and for a 60 game season, if it, it felt like it was probably, it felt like a normal 162 for him because he honestly. was constantly injured, but that's another name I could say too. Sorry. I cut you off there, but
1: no, no, you're fine. I mean, yeah, I think if they did want to go somewhere in, in the offensive, you know, high risk, high reward type thing. Mike Zunino makes sense. You know, he, he's got some pretty good pops, somebody who they could kind of, you know, if they wanted to carry a third catcher or something, you know, and then bring Trace Pereira in, uh, you know, that that could work. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that somebody who, you know, will defend, call good games, block a lot of balls in the dirt because you have so many of those pitches are going to be breaking pitches from Strauss. Right. That slider down in the dirt from Corbin is so nasty, uh, you know, going to the opposite side from when you're usually expecting it. Uh, from right-handers. So, you know, I think overall, it's probably not a position that they see as a clear cut, you know, we need to address this. I think uh, up high up on that list is definitely corner outfield. That's got to be number one. And uh, in, in, I think, you know, second base, third base filling those two slots are probably, you know, where you're expecting to get offensive production. Cause you know, even if the Nats were to have, you know, a, a bad offensive catching tandem, I mean, they're just like the rest of the league. Like you mentioned, most teams yeah. can't find you know, production there. So they're not really at much of a disadvantage if that's what they roll with. Whereas, you know, if you you bring in a cheap option in right field and all of a sudden that's a black hole in your lineup, you're really starting to struggle because that's an area you're typically used to rely on for you know consistent offensive production.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed part one of my conversation with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. He and I will be back for part two tomorrow when we focus on pitching. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LONationals. Follow me at Neighbors underscore. Those are both places you can find this show and my work as well. Until tomorrow, everybody, stay safe.